0: It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week.
1: Take the quiz
2: every weekday at quiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox.
3: From the Fox News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan, it's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade.
4: Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. We have a lot to discuss today. In this hour, we're going to be joined by Lieutenant Colonel Allen West. Did a great event with him at WOKB Territory over in Jacksonville, Florida, over the weekend for vets. Uh, for Operation New Uniform means once they get out, uh, what are they going to do? Uh, this whole group uh, exists, ONU, uh, to make that life better. And they had they were smart enough to have Alan West as the keynote speaker, and what a message he had, too, with his generations of those who serve. Uh, And this hour, we're also going to continue to follow what's happening around the country and developing throughout the show. So let's get to the big three.
3: Now, with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. A Christmas gift that's even more alluring than lingerie? Naturally nude pajamas by Pajamagram. Sensuous and soft, they look just as seductive as they feel. Get naturally nude pajamas today at Pajamagram.com. Number three.
1: Secretary Austin's been very clear uh, that he opposes uh, the repeal of the vaccine vaccine mandate and the president actually
2: concurs uh, with, uh, with the Secretary of
4: Defense. You both should be ashamed of yourself. You're military people first. Enough already with the mandates. As Navy commanders joined Republicans and perhaps some Dems to stop the Vax mandate that's gutting our military, this, as Austin says, says it stays, something's got to give.
3: Number two.
5: So there is a much, much larger story here than just what's being revealed right now with the Elon Musk's uh, uh, revelations.
4: Huh. Ron Johnson, Elon Musk is delivering on his promise to unearth Twitter's role, not only in this last election in America, but around the world. All, it's all must read, a must, day. it's a daily reveal, I should add. But other networks refuse to look at the secrets on the depth of the corruption emerge.
6: Number one.
7: Governor Kemp trying to carry Herschel Walker over the goal line.
8: He would be the first human being who ever dragged Herschel Walker over the goal line. (laughs) Um, And and look, Brian Kemp, people wondered whether he would go all in or not. He has. And he's the key to victory.
4: Election day for Herschel and Warnock. So many election questions are coming in. Can Governor Kemp participation replicate his results while he gets four more years as governor? Can Walker get the huge turnout on rain on voting day, even though there's rain today? And will this be two straight runoff wins for Raphael? We'll break down the game plans and the outcomes. So they say if Warnock wins convincingly, that they're going to start talking about him if Biden doesn't win as a presidential candidate, which to me is a joke. He's not a strong speaker. He does not really know the issues. He did a terrible job in his debate, but he has a finding a way to maximize the vote because of his connections with the evangelical or religious community and the black community to do it. And to tell you the truth, I think when I read that Walker was not campaigning a lot in the last few days— there's no excuse for that, and it just blows me away because I thought that he has a great work ethic, and I hope I'm wrong on that. But Warnock did a lot of appearances in the end, and they did a teller rally with Donald Trump in the end uh, yesterday for Herschel Walker. So any of those Trump people think don't think that Trump walked away from him. Just understand that Trump is not as popular with the Republican Party in Georgia because they side with Brian Kemp twice when they tried to run Purdue against him. He won easily in the primary. He consolidated power and then won easily over Stacey Abrams, what they consider a star. What's stunning to me, what a colossal waste of money. Think about everything that could have been done positive with this. $400 million, uh, over $400 million spent on this Georgia race. Much more uh, by the Warnock campaign. You're talking about $150 million plus as compared to $58 million plus for Walker. Campaign spending, $48 million for Walker, $126 million for Warnock. But ultimately, I think after a while, how many ads are you going to put out? How many billboards are you going to buy? The big story is this. Regardless of who wins, this whole Jim Crow 2.0, everyone that bought into that, Major League Baseball, Hollywood that pulled out, these celebrities that sold their homes or whatever they said they were going to do because of Jim Crow 2.0 is a total folly. We knew it then. And we know it now for sure because the turnout on early voting is 1.7 plus million uh, when uh, in person to vote statewide. But he adds the final number of early votes requests is actually 1.8 million. When absentee and military ballots are added to that. All told, Grafzberger says more than 26.4% of the registered Georgia voters have been uh, has selected their candidate to win this Senate runoff race. Anybody who says it's too hard to vote or you're hurting minorities is nuts. The facts belie what you claimed. And the president is the leading offender of all that. But as usual, he gets a pass. And as usual, not a pass here. Here's Walker's final message. Cut one. If you don't
5: vote, you're going to get more Chuck Schumer and also uh, President Biden, because Senator Warnock has shown that he's always going to vote with them. And if you vote for Herschel Walker, you're going to get someone that's going to give you a voice in Washington, because I'm going to be with the Georgia people. I always will be with the Georgia people. So you got to get out and vote. Uh, It's raining right now, but don't let that stop you. And I I say this here. I play football in the rain. I play football (laughs) in the snow. I play football in in warm weather. Right now, what matters is getting out to vote because that's the most important thing you can do right now is to vote, vote, vote.
4: Yeah, because he knows Election Day will be his votes. He's going to win Election Day by a lot. Republicans just do. But if you're going to let a little rain stop you from controlling the Senate, don't let anyone shortchange what this means. Yes, Chuck Schumer stays in power. Got it. But when you're fifty-fifty, if anybody gets sick, turns an ankle, has a family emergency, and can't show up for a vote, they're done. Every committee hearing has to be co-chaired. You can't have a subpoena without both signing off on it, and it'll be a huge counter to the Republican-led House. Don't want to do that. You don't want to disempower Kirsten Cinema. And Joe Manchin and Herschel Walker is so much better than he's being perceived. Yes, he's made mistakes. I would have run a lot of things differently. I would have admitted if uh, I still don't know the case when it comes to these abortions and these accusations. But why give your opponent a, a hammer to hit you with? If you read his book in 2007, you know exactly the stuff that they're bringing out now. He talked about changing, going through it, working on mental illness, mental challenges, things he went through that still carried over, much like the military. And yet, in the end, they would use that to bludgeon him. Eighty-eight percent of all the negative stories, of all the stories in Hershel Walker, were negative. Eighty-eight percent. How is that even possible? Joy Reid even brings up something totally ridiculous. Cut three.
7: There's, there is a certain—and I've heard this from a lot of black men, even if they're
0: not in Georgia. There's a certain disrespect. That a lot of black men in particular feel about particularly the way that Walker has been walked around by
7: people like Lindsey Graham and sort of used and put forward. They don't seem to respect him and they don't seem to respect black people.
4: Wow. Uh, Unbelievable. Because he has supporters walking around with him. When Barack Obama is speaking, Raphael Warnock sits there like he's in third grade sitting at attention. Does that mean he's disrespected? By the former president. So when someone sits there and gets compliments from someone sitting next to him, it's because that guy happens to be white. That is a racist thing. I just hope you guys all see through this. There's racism in this world. This is not an example of it. This is a guy that stood up and said, "I looked all around. I dealt with segregation when I was younger. I dealt with Ku Klux Klan, and I understand that most of them were Democrats. Almost all of them. That's who was pushing forward with segregation. And now that they see the roles seem to be reversed, I met Republicans. And I'm not buying the whole racism thing. I like the capitalism thing, not the socialism, blame, get reparations, people. But I don't think that Herschel necessarily has rung as strong in the end. I don't like that he took off over Thanksgiving. I would never, have, I wouldn't have taken an hour off. And with his great work ethic, I don't know why he did. But he's got Brian Kemp there, who gave, gave his whole get out the vote machinery and did work brilliantly. And this is a legitimate relationship. Herschel told us on this show that he's known the Kemp family and Brian specifically, specifically since he was 17 years old. They like each other a lot. It's mutual respect society. Governor Chris Christie weighed in like only he can cut for.
7: Governor Kemp trying to carry Herschel Walker over the goal line.
8: He would be the first human being who ever dragged Herschel Walker over the goal line. Um, And and look, Brian Kemp, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, right? Brian Brian Kemp, people wondered whether he would go all in or not. He has with his staff. He's been out there personally campaigning um, for Walker. Now, it's different, as you know, George, than him being at the top of the ballot. And and so some of that is transferable, but maybe not all of it. I think it's going to be very close. These George elections have been very close. I think it will be close.
4: I think it's going to be really close. I've not seen a poll with Herschel in front, but I know internals were a lot closer and much more accurate in the final tally. So Warnock worked hard in the end. Uh, that he had everybody out there, but his message still terrible and his personal background's awful. I mean, this guy basically has a tower uh, that he that Ebenezer Church has owns. He's in control over. It. Don't say he licensed it out, and it's basically a he's a slumlord kicking out people that don't make uh, ends meet, and other people where this drug crack use all the halls. It's an absolute mess. But yet they want to go after Herschel Walker's business background, please. And he got his butt kicked in the debate. Finally, Ronna McDaniel, who's being threatened on this, if she wants to keep that spot in RNC, by Hami Dillon and others, she weighed in yesterday. Cut five.
6: You look great right now. Tomorrow night, I want you all to look like crap. Okay? That's your job. Because between now and tomorrow, I want you to talk to every single person. Talk to your neighbor, your friend, your coworkers, the people you go to church with, your family members. If you have wronged somebody, you make it right. And you talk about Herschel Walker. I told this phone center today, I want you to call people till they issue a restraining order. That's how important this election is, because it's going to rain tomorrow, and tell people bring your umbrellas.
4: So uh, there she goes, and I think they're right. Uh, don't if you let rain stop you. I understand flooding, but rain stop you from voting. You waited till election day for a reason. It probably matters to you. Get it done. And by the way, don't let anyone tell you that Herschel is not smart and up to the job. There'll be adjustments, no question about it, just like everybody knew. You got a guy you just put in office in Pennsylvania who just had a stroke and wasn't smart before the stroke. When we come back, I'll take your calls, and I'm going to expand on what's going on with Twitter in a very simple way. one 408 7669 Brian Kilmeade Show.
3: Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. he's so busy he'll make your head spin it's brian kilmeade
12: what elon musk has been able to do now we know why the white house wanted to fight so strongly against him owning twitter all he's done is put out the truth now we need to start looking at Facebook, at Google. These now have become arms of the Democratic Party, arms of the Biden administration. But they also used the intel community as well to lie to the American public. Should those people keep their clearances? Should those people still be allowed to have information? If they're going to be political individuals, then no, they should not. And this is just the, the tip of the iceberg of what we need to investigate.
4: And get yet through everything that Kevin McCarthy said, that all that's been relieved by, uh, revealed by Matt Taibbi's uh, Twitter address, and, and soon to be Barry Weiss, and soon to be maybe uh, Greenwald. We're we're about to find out on Substack. We're about to, They try to pick journalists that aren't necessarily right or left, but they would approach this honestly. The FBI letting know these huge titans. Of uh, social media, that Russian disinformation is coming just like 2016. It's going to change the election. And then look out for it, look out for it. And then when it comes in October, yeah, this is it. Everybody destroyed it. Everyone shelved it. Everyone diminished it. And now a year and a half later, everybody said it was real. The laptop was real. The emails were real. The the allegations were authentic. There's nothing that was not 100% correct about the laptop that crackhead Hunter Biden. Gave to that repair shop. The repair shop gave it a year. Uh, gave it. A, gave it to the FBI for a year. They didn't touch it. When it went to Miranda Devine and others, they knew it was ready to come out. They briefed the social media companies on it. And when they got it, they decided decide to shelve it. We heard Zuckerberg say that to Joe Rogan and others. Other people trying to get ahead of it, like CBS, because they all look terrible. Now they're not even covering it, which just backs up that they have learned nothing, and we're all doomed unless we find a way to take some action. Here's more from Elon Musk on a radio show. Cut 12.
11: If Twitter is doing one team's bidding before an election, shutting down dissenting voices um, on a pivotal election, that is the very definition of election interference. I and mean, what the hell else would you? Of course, it's like, yes, um, you know, that, that, frankly, Twitter was acting like an arm of the Democratic National Committee. It was absurd.
4: So, look, what do you want when you look at this? You're like me. You think, okay, who's saying it? What are they trying to get out of it? Elon Musk bought it. He wants Twitter to become a clean place that is unbiased. But don't think for a second that he wouldn't vote for Barack Obama if he was ready today. Don't think for a second that he would vote for Donald Trump because he wouldn't. Don't think for a second that he wouldn't vote for Ron DeSantis because he thinks Ron DeSantis, he said it, is the best guy right now. But it doesn't mean he's Republican or Democrat. And SpaceX exists because it's a cooperative cooperative movement with the federal government. It doesn't doesn't behoove him at all to pick a side. Tesla has subsidies from the U.S. government. Yet he's not invited to the White House every time they talk about electric cars. He's the most successful. He did almost all of it on his own through innovation, trial, and error. I don't know what's going to work out. You know, I don't want this, this whole chips and brains thing. Not good, but I like that someone's thinking about stuff like this. You know, a lot of people, you know, Benjamin Franklin did great things like the fire department. He did brilliant things like electricity. I'm sure he had some clunkers, too. Same with Elon Musk. He doesn't walk on water. He's still a human being. He's a lot smarter than me. And what he's doing now is a public service. So listen to how the other networks aren't covering it or they're diminishing it. They're saying there's nothing here when there's everything here. Here's Corinne Jean-Pierre. Listen, she's just so awful. But I just want to share it with you. Cut 15.
10: We see this as a, a, an interesting or a coincidence, if I may, that, uh, uh, that he would so haphazardly, uh, Twitter would so haphazardly push this distraction. Uh, that, is a, that is a full of uh, old news, if you think about it. Um, and uh, at the same time, Twitter is facing very real and very serious questions uh, about the rising volume of anger, hate, and anti-Semitism on their platform and uh, how they're letting it happen. And, uh, you know, the president said last week, more leaders need to speak out and reject this.
4: So keep in mind, too, I don't want to confuse you. The easy thing to do would be get confused. Just know this. This idiot Hunter Biden. This uh, drug addicted, drug addled. Uh, immoral lunatic was asked to lead on most family international business deals along with Jim Biden. Tony Boblinski's experience that. So you might say, well, the former vice president was in office then, but this stuff was going on when he was in office because it was meetings that took place on Air Force Two where he went down to Mexico with other leaders. There were lunches that he had with some of the business principals that uh, Hunter Biden was dealing with. Why does it matter? Well, I don't know. Should someone be trading on their office while they're in office and then after office? I don't know. Does that matter? Number two, does it matter with other countries you might have to deal with and maybe wonder if he's compromising Ukraine, Kazakhstan, or Russia? I don't know. Does that matter? Does it matter? Mexico, too? think it matters. China, especially, shouldn't matter. And then you find out that anytime time you, you have even voicemails from James Gillard, who is one of the principals in this with Tony Bobolinsky and James, Jim Biden and others, is saying that whatever you do, don't mention Joe Biden's name. And only if, only if you're in person with him, he can never, you can never mention his name. I know you know this, but they're very paranoid as a family. So he's involved in it. At the very least, it asks a ton of questions with anybody that has any interest. But again, CBS, NBC, MSNBC, CNN, nobody's asking any questions. Tony Bobolinsky actually said, Jake Tapper, call me. I will unfold and unwind all this and answer all your questions. And now you have Twitter being exposed by Elon Musk. You have other networks admitting that it's all legitimate. Everybody saying that the FBI did everything except order it to happen. The FBI directly involved, clearly, when they invade when they raid mar lago they're just as directly involved even though their fingerprints aren't directly on this would you brush and they're there coming up next I'm going to talk to Lieutenant Colonel Allen West about what's happening at the border some of this as well as the Georgia election spend bulk of his life there Brian Kilmicho, so glad you're here
3: Information you want, truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show.
10: On any number of committees, when you have to change the allocations, that's one less voice to try and stop an economic agenda that has decimated the country, that has seen an open border policy from the Biden administration with over 4 million people crossing illegally and 1 million gotaways. Mm -hmm. This is a country that needs a serious tone and tenor within the Senate. And one more Republican vote means one more ability to stop an agenda that really has hurt the American people. That's why you see those Georgia voters going out and saying, we're voting to oppose Biden.
4: That's what you would need. Brian Kemp, people upset with Joe Biden and people who are going to ignore the mass media, 88 percent of which was negative on Herschel Walker. How's that even possible? You would think the guy's going to end up in Rikers Island. Reputable businessman, world class athlete, uh, known as a legend in Georgia. Yeah, he moved to Texas, got another house in Georgia, but that is not unusual to have more than two houses, especially to move to Texas. Ask somebody that did that when he was uh, in Florida. He decides to live in Texas. He grew up in Georgia. Lieutenant Colonel Allen West joins us now. Colonel, great to hear from you again. Thanks for calling. What's your reaction to people that say this election doesn't really matter? Democrats already control the Senate.
5: No, it completely matters, and as you just heard the person articulate, it was great seeing you uh, Saturday down in Ponte Vedra, Florida. Um, this is all about making sure that you have a balance, even in the Senate, because if Raphael Warnock gets to go back, then that means that Chuck Schumer will control all of the committees. Chuck Schumer will have subpoena powers there in the uh, United States Senate, but if it stays a 50-50, that means that you have an equal share on these committees, and they're not able to. To ramrod a lot of the things through, and we know what that the Republicans have a seven-seat majority over in the House. So that is a good leverage point for a constitutional conservative pushback against the Biden agenda. The economy is still not in good shape. Our foreign policy, national security, not in good shape. Our energy security is definitely not in good shape. We're going to tell Chevron to drill in Venezuela instead of allowing us out here in Texas to do the drilling for oil and gas.
4: Uh, yeah, I, I guess. Uh, wh- how do you feel about I want you to hear what Joy Reid said, because, you know, that Senator Lindsey Graham and uh, yesterday, Senator John Kennedy and in, in the past, there has been other senators like Ted Cruz helping out Herschel. Listen to what Joy Reid said. Cut three.
7: There's, there is a certain uh, and I've heard this from a lot of black men, even if they're
0: not in Georgia, there's a certain disrespect. That a lot of black men in particular feel about particularly the way that Walker has been walked around by
7: people like Lindsey Graham and sort of used and put forward. They don't seem to respect him and they don't seem to respect black people.
4: What does that mean? (laughs) Because a guy sits next to you and, and says you're great, that means they don't respect you?
5: Well, remember, everything is looked through the prism of of race and racism from the left. But yet Joe Biden can sit up there and say, if you don't vote for me, uh, you're not really black. And, you know, I'm sure Joy Reid had no problems with that. But when all of a sudden you see white conservatives or Republicans that are supporting a person running for the United States Senate, I don't give a doggone about what his skin color is. They have to reduce it to that and make it seem like he's some type of, you know, you know they're going to use the term Uncle Tom or sellout or whatever. When you think about Raphael Warnock and the things he's been voting for, he has really done more harm to the black community. Look, the black community, uh, through unemployment and better education opportunities, historical black colleges and universities, uh, criminal justice reform. That all happened under the Trump administration. It did not happen with Barack Obama. And where was Joy Reid when, you know, white progressive socialists were running around and, you know, propping up Barack Obama? She didn't say anything there. So, again, it's this duplicitous hypocrisy that really is offensive in nature.
4: Yeah, so we'll see what happens. He needs a big turnout today. What do you think, Colonel?
5: Yeah. It has to be a big turnout. And once again, what you're going to see, Brian, is what is happening in a lot of red states, to include here in Texas, is that all the major urban population centers are trending blue. The Atlanta metropolitan area, Macon, Columbus, Savannah, and uh, also Columbus are trending blue. Uh, Augusta along with that, if I didn't say so. And so what you really have to do is get in and fight hard to get a percentage out of those major population centers, because the rest of the, uh, the state that Georgia is, you know, very dark red. And hopefully we can get a good turnout in those rural areas and non-major population center areas and enough of a turnout for Herschel in those major population centers.
4: What does Kemp do? I mean, in theory, Kemp ran a brilliant campaign. He's got this turnout mechanism uh, that is effective. He has a legitimate relationship with Walker. You know politics. Can one guy make a difference in six weeks?
5: Absolutely he can, and what you saw, the difference is that Herschel and Brian Kemp did not campaign together in the uh, general election, but now you see Brian Kemp doing Uh, commercials for Herschel because he understands the importance of Georgia having that uh, conservative Senate representative instead of Raphael Warnock going back and what that means overall, not just for the state of Georgia, but for the entire country. So Brian Kemp's help uh, and and now his support is going to mean a lot. And the other thing is that you had that libertarian candidate that got somewhere between 80 to 82,000 votes. Let's see how those votes break.
4: Yeah, very interesting. The other big story that I just talked to Tulsi Gabbard about is the VAX mandate, kicking out good men and women from every branch of government. And the president, Kevin McCarthy said, listen, when they met for the first time, he said. Uh, I really think you got to revisit the VAX mandate. It's killing our military. We don't have enough people. Recruiting goals aren't there. you got to get rid of it. We're in our fourth variant now. It doesn't, even the, the vaccine, original vaccine is not effective. If people want to do it, do it. You're not honoring any religious exemption. you got to do it. He said, all right, I'll consider it. And they said they brought up to Austin. Austin says, no, we must do it. Kirby says, no, we must do it. And Adam Smith even shows possibly some give in the House and Senate. How damaging is the VAX mandate?
5: It's incredibly damaging. I want you to think about the uh, Coast Guard rescue swimmer that President Biden called in the aftermath of Hurricane Ian. Uh, That young man was going to be put out of the Coast Guard in 60 days because he had not taken the vaccine. Did that stop him from being able to go out and recover and rescue hundreds of people in the aftermath of Hurricane Ian? No. And actually, this vaccine is doing more harm than danger when you look at the rate of myocarditis that is cropping up in these healthy, men and women that we have in our military, and that's uh, a fact, proof positive. So when you talk about the de- degradation of our readiness, our capability, and capacity, the fact that we're not meeting recruitment and retention goals, and the fact that the commander in chief himself on 60 Minutes said that the pandemic is over, so why are we having the mandating of these shots, which we all know does not prevent anything?
4: Right. So I want to talk about, um, and that's so big in the military, uh, Over the weekend, uh, I had a chance to actually hang out with you for the first time because we talk every week and have the Operation New Uniform. This is a great organization that we watched, I guess, nine years ago. It was 15 people. And then we watched Mm -hmm. this huge hall being filled up at the Marriott in Ponte Vedra, Florida, with a bunch of local people who just want to help men and women in the military, whether it's four years or, or 30 years, to have that next phase in their lives. Because on average, we have 22 Uh, military members committing suicide on a daily basis 22 a day a lot of it's a lack of second mission you have a family of military members you're you with a perfect keynote speaker you're you're a fantastic speaker without peer and you speak from the heart without notes because it's your life and it's your beliefs could you tell everyone about the organization why was it important for you to be there
5: well, it's so important because we have to help those who have given an incredible amount of devotion to this great nation, We're willing to give the last full measure of devotion, as Abraham Lincoln said, we have to show them increased devotion. And when we continue to allow, you know, like you said, 22 of our veterans per, on average per day to commit their lives, when they have been on battlefields, they stood on freedom's ramparts, like my dad did in World War II, my my father in law did in Vietnam, my brother did in Vietnam. I did did over 22 years my nephew is doing it right now my uh my both of my son-in-laws are you know soldiers We cannot allow this to continue to happen. So we need to help them to continue to serve this nation in in another uniform, and that's what Operation New Uniform does, to take them and help them to transition to better opportunities, professional opportunities, build a new career based upon the skills, talents, and uh, just incredible attitudes and sense of character that they have. So Operation New Uniform, Michelle McNaminen has done an incredible job and sadly, as you articulate and I articulate, why do we have to do understand. this from the private sector? Because the governors, the government is failing these men and women.
4: See, what I understand is, too, in the big picture, if someone just takes a step back, you know how hard people work on recruiting. They talk about the pitch, uh, what people offer. We offer school, and we offer the X, and we actually Y, and we Z. This is why it's a good option for you. And then if you could actually seal it off with the career services, maybe six months before retirement, guys like you would be better than me. To figure out six months for retirement it's mandatory you start meeting with a career counselor about next steps and then you have this incredible mm-hmm. military network that's out there to consult and hire so you go oh wait a second these guys got me from A to Z from 18 years old to 28 years old I felt like I had options and if you show up your career counselor and go listen I got this business on the side ready to go well you still got to show up you got to make you got to make three or four appearances with your career counselor in order uh, before you leave the military, before your paperwork is going to be done, just like your health insurance, you should just factor that in. It will help with recruiting. It absolutely
5: would. And, the incredible thing is that when you look at the uh, the left in America, they talk about cradle-to-grave government entitlements. Well, why don't we take our young men and young women that are making this commitment to this nation and make sure that we transition them? Look, you want to talk about fixing the supply chain? There are plenty of men and women in the military who have logistical supply experience. You want to talk about making sure we can move our freight all across the United States of America. Yeah. We've got plenty of young men and women who have been truck drivers, so why are we making making sure that they have these continued successes and and careers. I mean, flight engineers, you name it, all of these things that they can bring and offer. Uh, Security, you look at what is happening in our schools. We have veterans that can make sure that our schools are safe. But you know what, instead we're giving $1,400 per person who are coming across the border illegally while we still have homeless and jobless veterans. That is upside down.
4: Absolutely, uh, Colonel. Great to see you. And by the way, if you ever if you ever see that the Colonel's on a bill, where he's a keynote speaker, whatever you do, make time to watch him speak. You're fantastic, Colonel Allen West. Thanks so Thank much.
5: You. Appreciate it, Brian. God bless.
4: You got it. One eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. I'm going to come back and take some of your calls. Expand on. Uh, we got election day here, December 6th. is you know today is for Georgia. It's really going to have a lot of balance of power. Now it looks like the Republicans secure the House. That was great news for them. They continue to to file in seats. If they can get this win, they'll have momentum that they didn't have after a midterm that they thought would be a red wave. Uh, We'll talk about all that and more. You listen to The Brian Kilmeade Show.
3: Giving you everything you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From his mouth to, to your ears, ears, it's Brian Kilmeade.
4: Hey, welcome back, everybody. 1-866-408-7669. Special thanks to everybody who came out uh, for that great, as you mentioned, Operation New Uniform, big event at night of Punta Vedra, Florida. And before that, I had a chance, thanks to the great people at Tom Bush BMW, to have a great day, afternoon day. So many people showed up, and there were food trucks on the outside with the with Tom Bush uh, people did and you get to meet that staff and they're actually selling cars again. So it's good to actually go to a dealership and hear, Yeah, you're missing some chips. You might not you might not have uh, something for the heated seats, but you got yourself a car. So things are getting back online in the car business to a degree. So thanks to everybody who came out for the president and freedom fighter. I hope to see everybody else out, especially KTFK. Um, listeners in St. Louis on Friday night. Go to BrianKilme.com, then Mount, uh, Mount Pleasant, New Jersey next Friday, and then McCallum, Texas on Saturday. Uh, let's go out to Denver. Where, uh, to Denver's there listening uh, on WOKV out in Florida in Jacksonville. Hey, Denver.
6: Hey, Brian. How are you today?
4: Great. What's on your mind?
6: Uh, I just wanted to first say thank you. You're a great American. You. I ran into you with my daughter at the store your wife oh. and you guys were gracious, amazing, and your comments to my daughter furthered her belief she's on the right path to, to fighting for our country. I remember
4: I met you. I think it was Target.
6: Yeah, Target. Exactly. I didn't want to, I didn't want to tell everyone where you shopped in, but yeah, we were at Target. It was awesome, and you you guys were so gracious in the time you gave us, and it was a random encounter. So you know your your words further inspired my daughter she we we laughed and she said i forgot i forgot to tell him that i have four of his books so
4: <laughs> yeah um, well that's great thanks but what's on your mind today denver
6: you know, what's on my mind is when we talk about the whole hunter biden laptop which is the same thing as the hillary clinton server these are all similar events in my view and having been in military intelligence and held held the clearance as early as 2014 friends of mine who are in the intelligence community concerned about how the government is using their social media posting to determine whether or not they're allowed to keep their clearances, your top-secret SCI clearances, um, in their in their annual reviews. And if you think about that, how many people have we lost over the years through suspension of their clearances or outright being taken away and them losing their careers? Because they were posting things that weren't in line with the uh, Obama administration or this current one. Is that, you know, currently going on? We just don't know. Um, But when you talk about freedom of speech, if the government is determining who can have clearances and access to these intelligence systems by what's being posted, you can weed out people who who you don't want, which is why you get this FBI overreach and these other issues, in in my view. Um, There's nothing about it. When
4: people say the government was not involved with this whole Twitter mess and the suspension of the New York Post as uh, their Twitter handle, as well as these shelving of that story, when they say the uh, F- F- FBI or the government was involved, what do you say to that?
6: Well, I know they were. Um, you know the, the 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 idea that Clapper and others, and the FBI included with their agents, um, that somehow once once the DNI or other people leave government, they are no longer connected, like the chief counsel of the FBI being at Twitter, that there is no connection or control between the government. These people maintain those relationships, and they're able to influence those relationships, um, even once they're out of government, um, what goes on within those bureaus and agencies. So the the idea that somehow the FBI wasn't involved and didn't push this, for me, is, is ludicrous. Understanding who at the agency it was who who pushed it, I think Congress needs to figure that out. Rand yeah, Paul and, and, and the other thing is,
4: Denver, it. and you're an intelligence officer, you serve in the military, you know, too, it's not just Twitter. Think about what Facebook is doing together with Twitter. Yeah, they compete, but not when it comes to this, it seems like when you look at the response from the rest of the media, you know, with forget about commentators. You could go ahead and cover the story and then have a commentator say, I don't like the story if you joy Reid, or, I, you know, I love the story if you're you, you it. Uh, and this is a very important story. I get that. You have different commentators, different beliefs. But to not cover it, CBS, NBC, all the networks, zero minutes, MSNBC, two minutes. This is a huge story. And it really is discouraging to see people not even cover it and, uh, or say the government wasn't involved. Nuts. Uh, thanks so much, Denver. Great meeting you. And, uh, and, and you must be very proud of your daughter. I know you, I know you, you should be, and you are. Uh, thanks so much for listening, everyone. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. If you want any of my books signed for the holidays, just go to dot It goes to my local bookstore and I send it out to you. But you got to do it quick. Don't move.
3: news headquarters in new york city always seeking solutions never sowing division it's brian kilmeade
4: Thanks so much for being here, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. It's going to be an exciting hour. Ian Bremmer coming up next. Andrew McCarthy right after that. Break down what's happening uh, with the Twitterverse. And then we'll do a simulcast and Barney and & Company. Can we get it all in? That is the challenge. I want you there with me along the way. We come out to you from 48th and 6th in Midtown Manhattan. We're about six blocks from here. I think there's going to be a casino soon. No joke. Uh, I think it's up to the Mets owner, the Yankees. Everyone's trying to buy a casino, Jay-Z. I think it's important to bring more More people to Manhattan. I'm already walking in the middle of the street. The only thing we don't see is cops. But that's for another time. Let's get to the big three.
3: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Sponsored by Crunch Fitness. Interested in owning your own business in a growing $30 billion industry? Check out Crunch Fitness at crunch.com.
7: Number three. Secretary Austin's been
1: very clear uh, that he opposes uh, the repeal of the vaccine vaccine mandate, and the president actually concurs uh, with uh, the with Secretary of Defense.
4: What a joke. Enough already with the mandates as Navy commanders join Republicans or perhaps some Democrats to stop the vax mandate that's gutting our military. This is uh, Secretary of Defense Austin says, well, I think it'll stay. Something's got to give here.
3: Number two.
5: So there is a much, much larger story here than just what's being revealed right now with the Elon Musk's uh, uh, revelations.
4: Well, wow, uh, that is just a little bit of what Senator Ron Johnson had to say. Elon Musk delivering on his promise to unearth Twitter's role not only in the last election but in previous elections and ones around the world. It's also a must-see daily reveal. But other networks refuse to even look at the secrets and the depth of the corruption that's emerging.
3: Number one.
7: Governor Kemp trying to carry Herschel Walker over the
8: goal line. He would be the first human being who ever dragged Herschel Walker over the goal line. <laughs> um, and, and look, Brian Kemp, people wondered whether he would go all in or not. He has. He
4: has. And that could be the key if Herschel was to win. Election day for Herschel and Warnock. So many election questions are coming in. Can the gov- Governor Kemp's participation replicate his personal results? Can Walker get the huge turnout on game day, which is today? And this has been will it be two straight wins for Raphael. We'll break down the game plans and the outcomes. But first, let's go international with Ian Brammer, uh, president of the Eurasia Group and author of The Power of Crisis. How three threats, how three threats in our response will change the world. Ian, welcome. Brian, good to be back with you, man. Sa- same here. So there's so much and imp- so many important things internationally going around. First off, I love to go around from what you see with China it seems on the surface that for the first time in a long time, President Xi seems to have taken a backward step and eased up on the zero-COVID policy, eased up on the mandatory testing, eased up on the welding you and your apartment buildings. Are we to believe what we hear? Uh, to a degree,
1: yes. Uh, and, and what's amazing about this, Brian, is it is a response to the Chinese people. This is Xi Jinping surprised, by the level of anger spilling out onto the streets, workers, urban elites, students, not coordinated by any sense of opposition, just angry at having their lives so destroyed over the last two years, and finally saying enough is enough. And uh, when he met with Biden uh, three weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago in Bali at the G20, there was no sense that um, there was gonna be any change in zero COVID or the policy in any way wasn't working. And suddenly, oh, the science uh, has shown that we can focus on vaccines and we can open up. No, the people have shown that. And there is a level of change in direction focusing now on as fast as possible getting the over 80-year-olds in China vaccinated and boosted and focusing not on the widespread lockdowns for everybody in an entire city when you start getting a initial case spread. That's a, that's a big deal, and it's a small and rare win for the people living under a brutal dictatorship.
4: Right, but you do know, too, that with the facial recognition, the surveillance state, you wonder if these people are going to be slowly without the Without the world's scrutiny going to be somehow uh, they're going to get some type of retribution on them, I hope not. They say nearly five hundred and thirty million people, almost forty percent of the population, were under some form of lockdown as yeah. of late November. That's stunning, and
1: it's the reason why uh, Apple, for example, one of the biggest global companies, has decided to start taking some of their production out of China, moving it to other countries because those lockdowns were affecting their production were affecting their workers. It's why China's uh, economic growth last year was about 3%. This year's likely to be 3%, underforming considerably because of all of the disruptions that come from these lockdowns. And yeah, there's no question the surveillance is extraordinary. And this isn't all carrot. Uh, almost every person that the Chinese government could find that was participating in a demonstration through facial recognition, through voice recognition, through following the apps on their, on their smartphones, they got a visit. From Chinese police. They weren't arrested, but they were told, we know you were involved in this. We want you to pledge not to do it again. And by the way, if you do, you're going to lose your job. You're going to go to jail. So, I mean, in the Chinese context, Brian, this is what you would consider to be a soft treatment. But the message is very clear. Uh, It's not as if they're suddenly saying we're going to act like a democracy. Far far from it.
4: Right. Uh, Just some other stats. 20 percent. Youth unemployment is at 20 percent right now. You have stuff like Alibaba. We all thought was the you know it is the Amazon of China. They reported a net loss of three billion last quarter. So you have these people who are unemployed, and now they have the government in every element of their life telling us you can't leave, you can't shop, you can't go anywhere. We're taking your kids. We're putting them into a locker room. I mean, it's just nuts. What they thought they can get away with. I guess we'll see what happens. We like to make China at this behemoth, this big machine, but they got their own struggles big time. That Belt and Road program is not this runaway success.
1: No. I mean, so much money has gone into projects around the world, uh, many of which were advancing China's political influence, but didn't actually produce economically. It didn't produce returns. And you now see the Chinese government from the top down wanting to put much more scrutiny into where they put additional investment dollars, investment one, uh, because they don't have as much to spend internationally because of 3% growth with contracting demographics, right. and difficult productivity, they need to focus more on Chinese consumption and Chinese domestic supply chain. So you're not going to see the trillions of dollars being spent on projects across sub-Saharan Africa and Southeast Asia and Latin America. They're going to need to actually make returns on, off of those investments money doesn't grow on trees either in the united states or in china and and they've not been focused on china on effective sustainable growth for a long time now
4: see in the big picture this is what i didn't understand I don't understand how they know they're suffering economically. They know the slowdown that's happening. they know the manufacturing that's not taking place, the damage to the supply chain. I thought it would be in their interest to make people go back to work in in fate, with with the virus in their face as opposed to I'm going to save you from this virus and lock you in your house where you could starve to death or burn up, burn alive no, so I
1: can explain I can explain that to you, Brian, because you've got to remember that at the beginning in the first year of the virus china was not locking down people across the country in fact they were the first ones to reopen if you look back to may when the virus three four months out i mean their growth was strong their their discos were open their their factories were open while we were locking down and we were complaining about it we had hundreds of thousands and then millions of deaths across the u.s and europe while the chinese did not now of course this was in an environment where the, uh, the, the pandemic, where COVID was much less transmissible. And Xi Jinping personally not only implemented that policy, but trumpeted domestically and around the world that this was the right policy. Well, over time, the Americans, the Europeans have very effective vaccines. The Chinese do not. The Americans, the Europeans are getting people increasingly exposed to COVID and therefore have more immunity. The Chinese do not, and it becomes much, much, much more transmissible. And you know what? All of these leaders around Xi Jinping that had been telling him, oh, you're so wonderful, you're so great, this is a great policy, they're very reluctant to tell him he's wrong. And he's very reluctant to make a change. So that's the the issue is they got locked into a policy that looked like it was going to be pretty successful two years ago. A year ago, it was was getting people pretty angry, and over the last six months, it's been a freaking disaster, but dictatorships don't get free flows of information and you don't get leaders without any checks on their power that suddenly say, oh, okay, I was wrong. Let me try something else.
4: So I was reading your newsletter and you said that how the Biden administration decided, told all their people, no more, you know, no in your face, I told you so to China, because they were mocking us for the way we handled the virus they inflicted on us. And part of the reason why so many died is because they didn't tell us exactly what was going to hit us. In fact, they told us we had nothing to worry about. And then they held back our PPE. It's just despicable. have been forced to pay for this. So he said, don't say anything. We watched the benign effort from Admiral Kirby uh, on the microphone, in my view. And then in return, here's what the, for us sitting on the sideline, this is what we get from China. The price of freedom in the U.S., 1 million COVID deaths, 40,000 gun deaths, 107,000 fentanyl deaths, what they're responsible for in in 2021 alone. The American people deserve something better for that. What What we want to do is protect our people's lives and ensure them a better life. So President Biden says, hey, guys, tone it down. Don't put it in your face that their way is not the right way. And that's what we get in response. Anytime we tone it down, they look at it as weakness. You feel differently.
1: Well, I feel a little differently. First of all, I understand that the politics aren't going to play out as uh, dramatically in the headlines now that midterms are over. So Biden doesn't see as much utility in playing politics with the China relationship as he did, neither does Ron Klain, chief of staff, as they did in the months before the midterms. That's number one. They don't care if they take criticism on that point. Number two is they believe – that the U.S. policy specifically on semiconductors, the export controls, that basically tells the Chinese, we're going to stop you from catching up with the Americans. It's a policy of containment in critical areas of national security, much harder than you've seen under Obama or under Trump. They believe that on, on the issues that really matter to American national security, the United States should hit the Chinese hard in other areas they see no point in getting involved in what they consider to be gratuitous name calling they don't think that's potentially useful so those are the two things that are going on and i suspect that there are a lot of people in but well, but you the know what i am
4: going to i it. change i should pre- you to better not name calling i don't want to be like aha But it's just sticking up for the people that have the immense courage to stand up and hold up those white sheets of paper and tell the Chinese government, we're watching you. Don't wipe these people out like you've done in the past. I thought a statement like that would have been effective. For example, I watch Canada. We're going to continue to ensure that China knows we'll stand up for human rights. We'll stand up for the people who are expressing themselves. We also need to make sure that China and places around the world are Respecting journalists and their ability to do their job because you know what they did to the BBC reporter and possibly oh, yeah. more. So I'm saying, why is Canada giving more star- stronger statements than America?
1: No, I take your point. Uh, and I, I do think that uh, this is uh, a reasonable area of debate. I think that Biden well understood that when he gave that direction um, to the cabinet, that there would be a lot of people that would say, no, we should be much tougher, uh, given the fact that we support human rights, we support democracy. I think there's also a sense that the demonstrations that you saw, as dramatic as they were under Xi Jinping, reflected a few thousand people over the course of one weekend in a country of 1.4 billion, dramatically different from the Two months and counting. Oh, I thought there was 16 the provinces of, of with the a... millions of, of the millions of young Iranians, for example, that actually have the potential to make a difference. So I, I think there was also a sense that this was, in the grand scheme of things, um, relatively small for China.
4: Right. Uh, let's let's pivot there. Uh, I thought 16 sure. provinces had presence of some type of uh, uprising. I thought that was significant. I mean, they
1: did. They were just really small. Okay,
4: that's true. Uh, uh, yeah. So Iran- uh, I agree with Hillary Clinton. I haven't said that often. When she says you cannot never, have negotiations. I've
5: never heard you say that, Brian. Yeah, when
4: she came out strongly and says you should not be having nuclear negotiations with Iran, especially with their crackdown on their own people, with I hundreds agree. dead and thousands jailed because of the right. uprising, they said that they disbanded the morality police. What's the reality as you know it, Ian Brammer, on the ground?
1: It's not true at all. Um, And the New York Times, the BBC, and others uh, gave these headlines that said the morality police had suddenly been disbanded. Those headlines were misleading. I publicly said they should take them down. There was one official. In a press conference that said the morality police no longer existed, he was really referring to a decision that was made uh, months ago in who had authority and responsibility over these – over the decision over whether or not one is imprisoned for wearing a hijab. There's been no change on the ground at all. From Iran, um, in terms of the lack of liberties uh, of of women, uh, that if they do not cover themselves up, if they want to go into a government building, if they want to walk on the street, uh, they are taking their lives in their own hands. Um, it is showing who is with the regime, who is against the regime. It is incredibly brutal and repressive, and there is absolutely no change so far. The U.S., the Iranian Supreme Leader has said that they will pay no attention to the people on the streets, and the response has only been repression.
4: So let's go to Ukraine real quick. Uh, Ukraine had a drone hit on an oil depot in Russia near an airport. They hit three different airports, it looks like, with drones. Uh, But there's been eight waves of attacks on the infrastructure now by the Russians into Ukraine. By any scale, this has been a disaster for Russia, but Ukraine is paying a steep price. Where are we heading?
1: Um, the Russians can no longer change uh, the, uh, the fighting on the ground in Ukraine, and so they're taking it to the people. This is increasingly a war of terror, uh, attempting to uh, bring as much pain and hardship to the Ukrainian citizens as possible. The Russian government is embarrassed, they're humiliated, and they're not prepared in any way to negotiate or to withdraw uh, and so, what you see is the Americans leading the way and support militarily for Ukraine, along with the UK, Poland, and others, to try to help the Ukrainians take the territory back that has been stolen from them since February 24th. And that fighting is going to go on through the winter. Uh, the Russian economy is going to continue to suffer. The Ukrainian people are going to continue to suffer.
4: You know, it's amazing they didn't. Have, the Russians never expected to get hit on their land. They have. Uh, There've also been a terror attack. A, a woman got killed uh, who was also pro-war, but it was really her husband, or excuse me, her father, her father. who was the target. And then the yeah. blowing up of that bridge, and then these hit inside Russia. This is really creeping into their border real quick, Ian. Uh, the American, are, are the Russian people behind it? Ten seconds.
1: Uh, yeah, they're mostly behind it, but uh, that support is going to diminish as more and more Russians come
4: back dead. Ian Bremmer, uh, he's the best. Uh, the Eurasia Group the insights you're not going to be replicated anywhere Ian thanks so much back in a moment your call's next
3: a talk show that's real this is the Brian Kilmeade show
4: hey welcome back Uh, we got a few minutes here let's go to Alex on WABC in Brooklyn hey Alex
10: Hey, good morning, Brian. Thanks for taking the call. I really feel confident about today's election. I could really see Herschel Walker making it because Democratic voters in Georgia aren't so desperate to go out and vote because they know that they have the Senate no matter what happens. They have the majority. But I hope Republicans realize that if Warnock wins, then the Democrats don't have – to uh, get Joe Manchin to be on board on the things they want to pass, like the filibuster, to abolish it, and another radical stuff. So it's really important. But I also think that Trump not being there is helping Herschel Walker. And some people were saying that the ballot harvesting that the Democrats are doing now before this runoff is is going to affect the election because you can't compete on the, on the election day voting with the ballot harvesting. But I think it's so wrong because in Georgia. Before November eight, you have the same ballot harvesting going on, and Brian Kemp won by eight points. Yeah, Herschel Walker was really was tied, so it wasn't the ballot harvesting; it was the Trump factor. And I and I could see that that doesn't play in right now because Trump wasn't rallying for him. And yeah, I mean,
4: I think there is. And you know, the thing that just kills me, Alex, all the negative publicity on Herschel when he's done so much uh, good. He has a great personal success story. There's been problems, no doubt about it. But he is a legend in Georgia, and they're making out to be somebody who's intellectually a midget who has no business running, and that's just not the case.
3: A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade.
12: I think this is a story of the federal government with all of its vast power and authority colluding with some of the biggest companies in the history of the world to censor Americans, uh, to uh, put their thumb on the scale, as you said, of what's out there, what people can actually read and know about before an election. And it ought to scare uh, the bejesus out of every American. I don't care what your political stripe is. I mean, this is out of some dystopian novel.
4: Uh, and that's what they're talking about, the Twitter exposure that we're hearing about now, thanks to Elon Musk deciding to unmask exactly what's going on in Twitter before he bought Twitter. And what I'm just stunned by, I am, I would say stunned, and I shouldn't be, that nobody else is picking it up. Even to bring it forward and say, so why Twitter shouldn't be doing this, or they shouldn't, but no one's even entertaining it. And when the press secretary is asked about it, it, says, well, we're more concerned about hate speech on Twitter. All those stuff are old stories. Andy McCarthy here doesn't feel that way. Uh, Fox News contributor uh, Andy, what about the fact that people are dismissing this and other people think it's the biggest story in the world? I'm one of the. I'm with the latter. What about you?
7: Well, I'm with the latter. I mean, I just um, it's also political, Brian. You know, I you know, I remember years back during the the Bush days, we were uh, all whipped up because the New York Times would report. Um, national defense information, like the, the tracking system that they had to track terrorist yeah. accounts, which had the effect of, of telling people who wanted to mass murder Americans how we were tracking them and how we were mapping them. And when The Times was asked about this, they said, you know, look, it's transparency. The public has a right to know. Um, and it didn't matter that it was national defense information that may have hurt uh, investigative efforts against a terrorist organization that we were at war with, what mattered was, was they said that transparency is the top ideal. Well, you know, now we have a window into how Twitter works and how the government colludes with them, and it's a problem that we have that? You know, I mean, people say that, you know, they, they, they think it's uh, it's either no story or it's old news, or but I, I don't get that, you know, that is somehow problematic, to probe how the inner workings of Twitter go, and how the government, which could not suppress information on its own, heavy-handedly leans on these social media platforms to suppress political information, which under the First Amendment uh, is supposed to be the highest form uh, of public information, and that's not a problem. So I, Matt Taibbi
4: comes out that. and writes in one of his at the end of all his tweets that he's putting out there. He's going to get more, and he's going to be joined by Barry Weiss. Maybe Glenn Greenwald, too, to put out some of this information that Elon Musk is unveiling from his file now that he owns Twitter and and he's he's saying at the end of this is there's no proof of any government involved with this suppression. Do you think that's true
7: I don't think it's true I don't it, just to, to be fair to Taibi, what he said was that beyond a general warning that there's no Uh, No direct evidence. And I just thought that was the weakest part of what he put out. Uh, I wrote a piece in the New York Post about this over the weekend. I'm writing another piece in National Review now. There's immense evidence uh, that the FBI worked with Democrats uh, in order to try to uh, undermine the Biden investigation. That was going on in July of 2020. Uh, in connection with the information that was being amassed by Chuck Grassley and Ron Johnson in the Senate. So, they were doing that, Brian, months before we even knew that yes. there was a Hunter Biden laptop. Number two, they knew all about the Hunter Biden laptop because they had it since the end of 2019, so they not, they not only knew what was on the laptop. They had every reason to know that it wasn't Russian disinformation and that it was highly likely that it was going to leak, given the circumstances under which they themselves had obtained it. Uh, and then they went heavy handedly having these weekly meetings with the social media platforms. And everybody's uh, including, I think, uh, Taibi to some extent, it, everybody focused on the idea of did they mention Hunter Biden's name? And I just think that's preposterous. They don't need to mention Hunter Biden's name. They go in there. And first of all, there are sophisticated actors on both sides of this. Right. So at Twitter, for example, the bureau is briefing Twitter about the possibility of Russian disinformation and hacking to interfere with the election. And who's representing Twitter? One of its top lawyers is Jim Baker, who was the general counsel for the FBI uh, during the 2016 stuff during the Russiagate stuff so you know they don't have to spell everything out um, you know they say uh, they go in and they say to the social media companies look um, the social media companies have to be held accountable for promoting this information and we have real reason to believe that the Russians are trying to do what they did in 2016 where they hacked And released information that was derogatory to the Democrats to try to help Donald Trump. And we believe that there could be a repeat of that. And if you see information there that plausibly could be hacked or might be perceived as disinformation, it's really your responsibility to make sure that that doesn't get disseminated. Now, did I have to mention Hunter Biden's name? Nope. To, to tell to tell right. you that you you know now exactly what your marching orders are, right? And what the this this isn't Andy coming in and talking to them, right? This is the FBI coming in and talking to them. So the message is, there could be a real problem for you guys if we turn around and find out that you're disseminating information you had reason to know was Russian uh, intelligence that was intended to hurt our election.
4: Yeah, it's unbelievable because look, hey, I just want to tell you guys. In October, there's going to be a huge car barreling down the street. Just be ready for it. I don't know if a car's coming, but just I'm telling you, that they promised that. And this car comes running down the street. They didn't cause it. They're not driving the car. But they told you, how did they know that car was coming down the street? The answer is they they found out about a year ago. They held on to it. And Miranda Devine believes they tap into her email and knew exactly what she was going to publish before she published it.
7: Well, I don't, you know, I don't know what Miranda's basis, but Miranda's a great reporter, so I don't know, you know, I'm sure she wouldn't say that unless she had reason to to think it. But, you know, my point is, I don't really think, I think it's a mistake, um, and I'm not, this is not directed at Miranda, I just want to speak about coverage in general, I think it's a mistake to elevate the question of, did they mention Hunter Biden's name specifically? And did they convey this specific piece of information? Because that is not the way this game is played. Understood. Got and, be, and that's so important about stuff.
4: your articles. Yeah. You're saying bring you bring a practical sense to it. So we're on the outside. We don't investigate. And most of us aren't lawyers. So if I don't do an investigation for a living, I'm susceptible to how it's reported. That's why your perspective is so valuable. You're reporting And you've done this as an investigator before and just say because people on MSNBC comes out and goes, they didn't say anything. The FBI didn't do anything. The FBI clearly raided Mar-a-Lago, but the FBI clearly didn't tell everyone, look out for the Hunter Biden story. But I find it very interesting that 51 so-called intelligence experts were all queued up to say this is all classic Russian disinformation. And James Baker is now part of Twitter.
7: Yeah, but, Brian, look look at the way they did it, too, because this tells you everything you need to know, right? If you read that letter carefully and you got Brennan and Clapper and the rest of these guys in a room and asked them about it, what they would tell you is, "Uh, uh, uh-uh, uh-uh, we never said it was Russian disinformation. We said it bears all the earmarks of Russian disinformation. And we talked about Russia's motives and why they might want to do something like this. But don't, don't accuse us of saying that this was Russian disinformation because we never said that. Read our letter, it says that we don't know what the evidence actually shows. You know, we haven't seen the evidence. We just think it's, it's a classic example. So, um, so John Radcliffe, who
4: was, DN- that, yeah, who was DNI director, uh, I want you to get this and expand on this. We have two minutes left. You cut yeah. 19.
0: The same James Baker that, um, to remind your viewers, was general counsel for, for, for Jim Comey at the FBI who helped write an exoneration memo for uh, Hillary Clinton uh, before she was ever interviewed by the FBI for having hundreds of classified uh, emails on her server. That same James Baker then met with the Clinton campaign officials to hand carry uh, evidence supposed evidence about Russian collusion, the Steele dossier, Alpha Bank connections with the Trump campaign into the FBI and the Department of Justice to launch an investigation uh, that went on for years. That's the same James Baker that ultimately uh, at Twitter said statements from the FBI, uh, the Department of Justice and the director of national intelligence that say this is not Russian disinformation apparently aren't clear enough and we need to suppress this.
4: And your final thought on how this one guy is at the center of all this?
0: Yeah. Why should anyone be
7: surprised? What I would point out to people is that uh, Baker was Comey's top advisor. He was general counsel at the FBI. And when Comey looked Trump in the eye and said that you are not a suspect in the investigation, he knew that the FBI was in the FISA court saying under oath that the Trump campaign— was a clandestine agent of Russia <laughs> in FISA applications that Baker reviewed and Comey signed. So, uh, you know, I mean, we've been telling the story for how many years now? It just gets <laughs> I mean,
4: extended. You know. They're not news stories. It's the same story nope. extended. Yep. Right. And let's not give up. Let's try to keep it as simple as possible and expose as much, because, you know, it's not just Twitter. You know, it's Facebook and Google. I just can't afford to buy those entities.
3: Now the Brian Kilmead Show joins Fox Business's Varney and Company with Stuart Varney, live on your radio and on Fox Business. Here's Brian Kilmead.
4: Hey, welcome back everyone. Uh, we'll be getting to your calls in just a moment, 1-866-408-7669. And I'll go also get to your emails, BrianKilmeadshow.com. We just click on comments and we'll be able to get to it, so I'll try to get to that after this. we're going to do a simulcast on one of the fastest growing uh one of the fastest growing networks in all the land uh on cable. And that is uh, FBN. And right now, if I'm looking at the shot I see in the monitor, I have only a chin. So hopefully, we zoom out on that or we take a different camera. Because um, I could do a voiceover if I'm trying to hide my identity. Let's say I was in the mob. And there you go. I think that looks a lot better. So let's listen in together.
2: On the East Coast here, that means it's time for Brian Kilmeade. All right, Brian. Uh, President Biden was just asked why he's visiting the border state, but not going to the border itself. Watch this again,
0: please. Roll it. Why go to a border state and
12: not visit the border?
0: Because there's more important thing going on. They're going to invest billions of dollars in a
6: new enterprise.
2: Okay, Brian, there's more important things than the border, namely a chip plant in Arizona. What do you make of that?
4: It's a joke, and it just goes to yeah. show you that these not even fully briefed on what matters. I mean, here they are trying to pass a bipartisan deal, which no one should touch. Senator Tillis, I don't know what he's drinking, is looking to pass something with Kirsten Cinema. It's a good thing to have a bipartisan deal, but not this one at this time. It's a joke. But number two is just to know that there's momentum behind a bipartisan deal, which he's been asking for. You think he look at Peter Deucey who yelled the question? You go, you know, I'm very hopeful about what's passing through and. You know, unfortunately, this time it won't happen, but I plan on going down there. I spoke to Kevin McCarthy about it. Instead, he's just so dismissive on something that matters so much that really revolves around our security. You know, God forbid if some of those 98 known terrorists that got in on the terror watch list, the other people that have slipped in the Godaways at an all time high, if they start inflicting more apparent damage and destruction on this country, you could honestly say the Biden policies are directly responsible.
2: The trouble is, though, he got away with it. In the midterms, the border was not an issue, and the Democrats—you have to say—they it, they performed pretty well in the midterms.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's—it's uh, it's disappointing to think that uh, maybe in some cases abortion was a bigger story than the border. But for example, Henry Cuellar is able to prevail. Beto O'Rourke was not, and they were both open border. Uh, Henry Cuellar was a Democrat who was cracking down. They tried the primary; it didn't work. He wanted to uh, to a strong border, and he ended up keeping his job. Beto O'Rourke was someone who wanted to take the fence down, he said at one point, And he uh, didn't have a shot there in, in the governor's race. So there are other signs that they did well
2: on the border. It doesn't seem to resonate that high, no, which is a shame. It is. It is a shame because that's a that's a crisis and a half. I've got to talk World Cup with you. Team USA is out. Is England now your top pick? No
4: question. I'm just looking at the brackets now. I know they have one more bracket in the quarterfinals to play. Uh, in the round of 16 to play, but right now the game is uh, England France. I think England can prevail. I look at Argentina to beat the Netherlands, and I look at Brazil, who looks like the class of this uh, tournament so far. To uh, having a little trouble with Croatia to get to the final four, I'm pulling for England. They play the way the Americans play, only a little bit better. They certainly have the experience. I li- I like the squad. I think they play with a lot of confidence. They're likable, and I just hope they get through. And also, I look at the Netherlands, for example. I look at the U.S. If they played a little bit stronger, if they were able to convert more of their chances, they would have won that game. I couldn't say that in years past. Did you watch any of this? Yeah,
2: yeah I watched it all. I was in actually, I was in Australia and New Zealand, where it was on in the middle of the night, and I got jet lagged, So I watched almost all the games in Australia's Australia, New a real good Zealand. team.
4: They did yeah, well. They're good
2: to, they, it was the, it's the best World Cup that I can remember with some terrific teams emerging as real stars. Like All Japan? Like Japan, for example? Yeah, like Japan, for example. Yeah, plenty of it. Uh, I've got to go, but uh, thanks very much, Brian. We will see you again soon. Don't you forget,
4: the World Cup comes here. We'll go together, Stuart. All right, you drive.
2: You're on. All
4: right, <laughs> right yeah. the Metropole. 1 408 7669. Ezra, listening in Atlanta. All eyes on Georgia today. Hey, Ezra.
11: Yes, sir. I got up in the dark with my girlfriend, went and voted for Mr. Walker for the second time. I went to his rally last week. and I got to tell you, I was more impressed listening to him speak. Yes, he is country. I grew up in Connecticut, so I know the difference. But he's got a very deep and very broad command of the crucial topics. And people in Georgia need to understand if the vote goes 51-41 and the Democrats take the Senate, we're not going to be in charge of any of the committees and won't get any of the money. This is the most critical election we've got.
4: Well, uh fifty-one forty uh, nine is what you mean. But real quick, was yeah. did you yeah. vote today?
11: Sorry. Yes. Well, yes. Yeah, this was
4: question. the line long?
11: There was no line. That's what. I'm, there was more poll workers there, and that's what I'm worried about. It's raining. So, you know, they stay home. So the early voters mailed them in or whatever they do. And they're Democrats. So the you know day the day of election voters Republicans, they got to get out. They got to get. out. I was number 23 on the on the ballot machine. That's you know, like 7:30. Uh, That's pitiful.
4: I also heard that too. Very conservative area, uh, from somebody I know in the area and it says he thought there was going to be about 300 people online. There was 60. So that does not look good for Herschel because traditionally Republicans vote day of, and he won. He needs 60% of the day of voting, and he need about a million and a half to show up today. Or just over a million, I should say. So I hopefully they'll do it. I mean, come on. If you're going to vote and you're going to let some rain stop you, please. I mean, don't the American initiative and the pioneer spirit. I'm not asking you to chop down 25 trees and build a lean-to or a log cabin in the middle of nowhere and fight off cougars. All you have to do is just go to an area, probably mass transportation, and vote. I think he deserves that. Thanks so much for the call. Uh, and you know, uh, I think this: if you're looking at uh, Mayorkas and he survives, they're already talking about him being a presidential candidate because it'll look like he's won four elections. He uh, and he he qualified for the runoff two years ago. He actually got the nomination. He survived. Then he wins the runoff two years ago. That's two, and then he has more votes than Herschel, but doesn't get 50%, so he does win it, so that's three. And if he's able to beat Herschel four in Georgia, which needs to, you need to get Georgia if you want to win the election, more than likely. So people say saying Mayorkas, he might be the type of candidate that could go national. That's if Joe Biden doesn't run. But right now, it looks like Joe Biden runs. Why else would he be pushing so hard to make South Carolina the first primary and not uh, Iowa? Because he's terrible in Iowa. No one likes him in New Hampshire. They liked him in South Carolina because James Clyburn said vote for him. Hey, listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Go to BrianKilmeade.com. Order any of my books. I'll sign and personalize them. Get them out by Christmas if you do it now. If you do it today, don't move.
3: news radio studios in midtown manhattan it's the fastest growing radio talk show brian Kilmead.
4: thanks so much for being here buddy it's the brian Kilmead show one 866 408 thanks so much for listening we've got a busy hour coming away. we're going to be joined by daniel bill uh, uh, shortly he's a member of the Territ- uh, the territorial defense forces of ukraine former chief investment advisor to the prime minister of ukraine uh, and he has uh, a lot to say about what's going on, a lot going on on the ground. But one thing is pretty clear. The Russians have been humiliated. They've overstepped. Uh, they've been uh, actually uh, banished by the international community. I think even China is pushing them to wrap this thing up, but they are still inflicting tremendous pa- pain on the uh, Ukrainian people. They seem to be able to take it. Nigel Farage will be with us by the, of the hour, former Brexit Party leader, Fox News contributor. Always love having him in studio. So before we get to Daniel, let's get to the big three.
3: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three.
1: Number three. Secretary Austin's been very clear uh, that he opposes uh, the repeal of the vaccine, vaccine mandate and the uh, president actually concurs
2: uh, with uh, the with Secretary of Defense.
4: Well, that's good. Uh, John Kirby waves in enough already with the mandates and Navy commander joins Republicans and perhaps some Democrats to stop the vax mandate that's gutting our military. But General Secretary of State, Secretary of Defense and former General Austin says it must stay. What a joke that is.
3: Number two.
5: So there is a much, much larger story here than just what's being revealed right now with the Elon Musk's uh, uh, revelations.
4: Elon Musk is delivering on his promise to unearth Twitter's role, in not only this election, but other elections and other elections around the world. It's all a must see daily reveal, but other networks refuse to look at the secrets and the depth of the corruption because it all helps Democrats. That's why.
3: Number one
7: Governor Kemp trying to carry Herschel Walker over the goal line.
8: He would be the first human being who ever dragged Herschel Walker over the goal line. (laughs) Um, And and look, Brian, Kemp. people wondered whether he would go all in or not. He has. He
4: has, and he could be the key election day for Herschel and Warnock. So many election questions are coming in. Can Governor Kemp's participation replicate his own personal results? Can Walker get the huge turnout and possible rain on election day? Will that hurt? Because it is raining on election day. Uh, Keep in mind, Warnock has won the last two runoffs. So, uh, with that, we'll talk about that shortly, and we'll update you as we see it. So far, we have not seen a great turnout, which is not good for for Walker, but doesn't mean anything definitive. Let's bring in Daniel Bilak, a member, of the, uh, a member of the Ukraine Fighting Force in every way, shape, or form, financially and physically. Daniel, welcome back.
9: Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me on.
4: So seven massive missile attacks on infrastructure. You're doing a good job knocking them out of the air, but not knocking all of them out. But I think people are talking about the strikes inside Russia at two military bases and at an oil plant. What could you tell us?
9: Well, you know, Brian, our guys don't comment on anything that happens inside Russia, uh, which probably tells you what's uh, what's what's happening. Uh, It's interesting that uh, if they are our drones or missiles, they're only hitting military installations. Uh, we've had 16,000 rockets launched against the Ukraine since a uh, missile since uh, February 24th, since the war started, and 97% of them have hit civilian targets. So it gives you an idea of what who's, who Putin's at war with. Um, in in the last month and a half, we've just been had this barrage. I mean, the country's just been blacked out, and uh, you know, our entire energy system is uh, was virtually on the on the uh, on the edge of collapse. Um, you know, he, he hasn't hit one single military site, so it's clear that he's this is a terrorist act. It's a blatant terrorist act, and he, he's trying to to get the Ukrainian people to knuckle under, to fall on their knees and. And force us to a negotiation. In fact, they've been absolutely blunt about this. The, the Kremlin has said that we're doing this to force Ukraine to the negotiating table. This is pure terrorism. And you know, generally, you, you negotiate with terrorists one way. You defeat them on the battlefield, and, and then, and, and then, if you need to talk to them, you talk to them then. Instead, we're hearing you know from people some people in the administration, some people in other countries, that we should be negotiating with the Russians now. I don't know what you negotiate over unless you're prepared. Uh, you're telling us to give up uh, our territory. and it's always easy to give up somebody's land, Brian, uh, when it when it's not yours. You know he's been he, he's just been bombing us with impunity, and I, I don't get why NATO is not threatening him with catastrophic consequences like they did when he uh, alluded to the fact that he was going to use nuclear weapons. And the guy backed down. Same with the grain deal. He said he was going to pull out. He got whacked by Turkey and the U.S., and and he backed down. Instead, everybody's reacting to his missiles against our energy. Ten million people have no lights, heat, or water. I just turned my generator on so I could do this interview. And uh, you know he's he's got when he sees he's, he can do things with impunity, he doubles down and he's we're just going to keep getting bombed. I don't know why they don't tell him that. Look, if you continue bombing these these innocent civilians, we're going to take out the uh, cruise missile carrying ships in the Black Sea. Uh, we'll take out your bases in occupied Ukraine, and we'll crush you with economic sanctions so that you can't wage war. I mean, if I can figure those three things out, somebody else you
4: know, in the Pentagon or in NATO should be able to. Right, but they, which, uh, they would believe they're so worried about Korea starting a world war. Here's what Secretary Anthony Blinken said yesterday, Cut 34.
12: We've seen a massive mobilization this summer, 300,000. Uh, not all of that has actually been fully mobilized, um, probably about, uh, about a third. But what happens? You get forces that are barely trained, poorly equipped, uh, not winterized, who are thrown into this mix, and it's terrible. But they're also not, generally speaking, particularly effective units.
4: He went on to talk about what you just said, Cut 35.
12: Russia tried to, uh, in effect, erase Ukraine's identity as an independent country, to subsume it back into Russia. That was Putin's self-described number one objective. That's failed, and it won't succeed. Um, Then they engaged in a land grab to get as much as they could in eastern and southern Ukraine. That, too, is now failing, as we've seen the uh, Ukrainians since the summer push back uh, in an increasingly uh, effective way. So the current objective is to take the war to the Ukrainian people. Uh, Putin is directing his, his ire and his fire at Ukrainian civilians.
4: So that's where we're at right now. And in the winter, it seems like you guys are better equipped to be successful, but they're not doing much on the ground, correct?
9: Uh, well, I mean, we are advancing. We're continuing. We've uh, we've we've gone from success to success. Um, you know, a lot of people have said that uh, it's coming winter time, and and, and both sides are going to pause. I, I don't know. Every expert that's been talking about Ukraine in the West has got it wrong from the get go. I mean, I I don't think our forces are going to stop, Brian. I mean, the ground is hardening. We've got them on the run. You know, all these people that Secretary Blinken was referring to. Um, you know, it's harder to move through them because there's a lot more of them now. But this is where this is where we need the West to step up and give us more weapons in in greater quantities and much much faster. And we can get this done, Brian. I, you know, you and I talk about this yep. every time. You know, if you know, we sometimes I feel like we're on a on a drip feed on life support, and uh, and you know, we just get enough to get us to the next stage. And you know uh, America is if it, it, if it goes in it to win it, good things happen and uh, and our guys can show our, our, our men and women on the front lines have shown that they are absolutely adept at using American weapons and other countries' weapons, but they're probably the only people that know how to use all of these weapon systems and have integrated them into a single fighting force. I don't think any NATO country can do that and 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 you know we we, we need more long-range uh rockets we, we we've been held back and you know, we're getting bombed by rockets from being shot at us from a thousand miles away in the black sea and the caspian sea and we're limited to shooting back at, at about 60 miles you know and and we can't even hit our, our own their bases in our own country in crimea and and it's it's time to unleash that take the leash off we've shown you can trust us We've shown that we we are responsible. That we can be responsible, and we've shown that we know how to use this stuff. Let's get this over with, and let's get it over with as soon as possible. And and that's all up to you guys.
4: Well, I mean, you you got the you're getting something, but not enough you need. You're getting enough to win, and maybe get enough to survive and be successful, but not enough to thoroughly win. What's it going to take to win? is when they get pushed back out of their territory all the way through Crimea. Vladimir Putin on a on a car to show that the Crimea bridge has been fixed. But meanwhile, he got hit three times within his own country in the last 48 hours.
9: Yeah, Brian, I mean, this this notion that somehow people in the West are getting tired of this war and, and we should be negotiating a peace that leaves him with part of Ukraine is just, just not going to sell in this country. Too many people have died. Too many people have suffered. There is there is actually less uh, appetite in this country now for any compromise with the Russians over territory than there would have been at the beginning of the war when they controlled part of the Donbass and the Crimea. We want them out. And frankly, you should want them out because if they don't get pushed out, if Russia is not defeated on the battlefield, they're going to come back. And they're going to come back harder, and they're going to go further. They're going to go into Estonia. They're going to go into Poland. They've said it. They're not lying about this stuff. Uh, And and their appetite is just just going to grow. And, and, And frankly, if he's not told to stop the bombing of civilians now, he's going to see that as a sign of weakness because civilian infrastructure is going to become fair game in the West. You're going to see your your hospitals, your railroads, your road systems, your electricity grids, all of these things compromised by Russians and uh, digitally and and physically. And, and, And he will just feel that he is empowered. This is the way the guy thinks. He's a KGB agent. His whole life is a
4: special military operation. But he failed. I mean, yeah. he failed to understand what he was getting into. He failed to game plan. He's been lied to about the strength of his military. He's been lied to about the maintenance of his equipment. He's been lied to about the 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 uh, the ability, the talent of his leaders. Let alone his let alone his infantry. This guy, this guy's been exposed in front of the whole world, thanks to Ukraine and west and along with Western weapons and some training. So I would just like to see you guys get the attackums necessary. Like you said, uh, start scaring them off the infrastructure. But you know who has the most pull? It is China. China has not given any military assets, but right now they see this war dragging on. And word is that they're looking to pressure Vladimir Putin to end it. Do you you see that?
9: You know, you you raised an excellent point, Brian, because there was an article that came out in in one of the – uh, the, the, the media in the past week that said that the reason we didn't get the, uh, the airplanes uh, that we were promised from Poland early in the war, the MiG-29s, the Soviet-era airplanes, was that it was kiboshed by the U.S. And apparently it was a deal between the U.S. and China that China would not give Russia weapons that it was asking for if we didn't get the airplanes. So there is a much China starting to loom as a much bigger equation. I think part of the equation in terms of of the geopolitics of this, and and I, that worries me. I mean, it could be a good thing, could be a bad thing because it worries me that once again we will get sacrificed on on the geopolitical table. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, Brian was the anniversary of our signing of the budapest memorandum remember that yeah in 1994 which uh, was supposed to guarantee ukraine security we gave up our nuclear weapons in exchange for a guarantee of our national security and our borders and our territorial sovereignty by the united states britain russia china and some other countries and uh that turned out to be a big nothing burger and other a lot of people saying we should get back those uh, nuclear weapons that's 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 unlikely going to happen obviously but it means when we talk about security guarantees coming out of this in terms of ending this war you know ukraine is not going to settle for anything anything less than nato i don't think i mean i don't i don't see anything else that, other than nuclear weapons and developing them ourselves that is going to give us a security need for uh right. for, for an aggressive uh, imperialist uh genocidal neighbor
4: so I, I agree with you on every on every count. The other thing is pretty clear is that China doesn't have a problem with Ukraine. You guys had good relations. And that's why China is saying, like, we don't – how do we win on this? Our, our, our key partner has been exposed as a hollow tiger. And now Ukraine is looked at as maybe an enemy. And I, they don't have an ax to grind with Ukraine. You guys were never a problem. You guys had trade agreements. So – They're bystanders on this, but with an alliance towards Russia. So that's why I think in some respects, listen, the whole world is putting pressure on me now. You guys are terrible. You're falling apart. Vladimir Putin, evidently, I don't know if that story is true, of him falling down the stairs the other day, that he's suffering from Parkinson's. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I I just go ahead.
9: China is all about China. Right. And right now, China sees all of this in the context of how it's going to position itself vis-a-vis the U.S. And this is why the U.S. has to remain resolute on Ukraine, because if it falters, if it allows a messy compromise that is going to compromise Ukraine's territorial sovereignty in any way, that's an open door for China into Taiwan and all across Southeast Asia and in the Pacific. And the United States will actually have, in my view, anyway, a much bigger problem on its hands than the one it has now. Russia is actually a sideshow for for China. Uh, it's this is all about gauging what what is the resolve of the United States of America. And the world is being is being brought into is being split into uh, a bipolar uh, situation where you've got democracies now, uh, basically. Uh, clustered around the US and dictatorships and autocracies clustered around China and russia and And this is going to have a huge impact on nation and capital flows and everything else. so there's there's a lot riding on a a peaceful outcome in Ukraine, and the only way you get a peaceful outcome in Ukraine is to defeat Russia on Ukraine's right. territory. And then let's see where the chips fall after that. But Daniel, yeah, get
4: out. it doesn't do you any good to criticize the Biden administration. Uh, I understand it. But just so you know, it's conventional wisdom that if we don't look so weakly in Afghanistan, the Russians don't feel as though they can go into Ukraine um, and some other things that have rippled from there. Daniel uh, Bilak, stay safe as you continue to fight for your country uh, and their sovereignty. We appreciate it.
9: Thanks, Brian. God bless the people
4: of the United States of America. You got it. Uh, And the people of Ukraine.
3: The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade.
4: Hey, welcome back. we just got a couple of minutes here, 1-866-408-7669. Uh, just keep in mind, so far I'm not getting good reports about the turnout in Georgia just because people say it's a little bit rainy. But if Republicans are out there and think to themselves, what's the big deal? It doesn't make a difference. You have to talk to these political experts. They just said you could not be further from the truth. Number one, Kristen Sinema and Joe Manchin came up big last year. I mean, in terms of packing the, court, packing the Supreme Court, not going to happen. In terms of making Puerto Rico... A state didn't happen in terms of uh, in terms of getting rid of the filibuster didn't happen. It was really because those guys said, yeah, I'm I'm more, I'm more of a traditionalist. I'm not going to do that. And just like Mitch McConnell, when uh, when they had the majority, they said, I'm not going to do that. It's not what I want to do, even though President Trump was on Mitch McConnell to do just that. So that all goes by the board if you don't have it. Plus, if you are a co-committee chairperson, you have a lot more power than if you're in the minority. You're really invisible. You're a bystander when it comes to confirmations, and you're a bystander when it comes to uh, all these subpoenas that go out. You have to sign off on it. You're going to see some of the political things going on. I want Donald Trump's taxes from before he was born. Why is uh, Let's get Fred Trump's taxes, all that stuff. Is going to go by the boards if uh, you get fifty-one forty-nine, and plus Raphael Warnock's. This guy hasn't done anything significant. He's done. He's not been a significant pastor. He's a terrible debater. And to me, Herschel Walker would be much very symbolic for the change in the Republican Party. Nigel Farage next.
3: If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Bellingham here.
2: Beautifully done, and England are ahead. Jordan Henderson, absolutely
3: wonderful move.
2: And the Liverpool man strikes.
9: And that's an easy finish for
3: Jordan Henderson. 1-0 England. Superbly taken by the oldest player in the England squad and one of the most popular players in the whole of England. Looking to set other things up against here. Foden and Kane... Big opportunity, and a thumping finish. Harry Kane's off the mark, and England are flying now. Clear water, 2-0. Foden starting to turn it on, and that's another goal. Saka again, delightful little dink finish, and England are running
0: away with it. And absolutely sensational from Saka and England.
4: And I want to get Nigel Farage in a good mood, and that's the best way to do it. Show the last time England played, uh, three, uh, 3 nothing winners over uh, Senegal, so they advance. They're going to play a team called—how do you say that, France? Yeah. Did I say that right? Yeah. Okay, uh, Nigel, he's a former Brexit Party leader, Fox News contributor. What do you put first? In your On your resume, is it Fox News contributor or former Brexit party leader? Or uh, just-
13: well, it depends which continent I'm in, really. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but, although I have to say I am very proud of the Brexit party because, yeah, of course. you know, it looked like Brexit was gone. It was being betrayed. I formed that party, and within six weeks, won the European elections. Got 50% more votes than the nearest party. So, so yeah, I'm proud of both.
4: Right, and uh, before we get into it, let's stick with soccer for a second. England now will play uh, France. Mm-hmm. If you look at the other bracket, we don't know what it's going to be yet. It's either going to be uh, Portugal, Switzerland, Spain, or Morocco. But you've got to feel good about getting to the Final Four. France is going to be hard. But, I mean, the way you guys are playing, you know soccer. What do you think?
13: Look, you know, last year we got through to the final of the European Championships. We lost on penalties. It was agony. I was there. Um, this is the best England football team for many, many years. They've got. Who did you um, lose to on penalties? Uh, Italy, Italy. It was Who didn't qualify for the World Cup? I, I, you c- couldn't invent it. You couldn't <laughs> invent it. But no, I think, I think Kane as captain is a very steadying influence. I think our forwards are really very, very good. France have been one of the most impressive teams of the tournament. But, I, you know, I just get a feeling it's about momentum. And I think England now have a bit yeah. of momentum. So I'm feeling good about it.
4: Right. I, I, I'm, that's the team I'm pulling for now. Uh, Brazil, people say the class of the tournament. They are put on a show.
13: Oh, I mean, look, entertainment plus, isn't it? You know, watching, watching Brazil is always entertainment plus. They're the favorites to win. But, you know... It's a knockout competition. Anything can happen.
4: And then you have, on the other side, Argentina against the Netherlands. I thought the Netherlands were beatable against the U.S. The U.S. left that far post wide open. They missed some early opportunities. So they didn't look like that. I mean, look, they look real good. But I'm just talking about playing Argentina. I think they look beautiful.
13: Yeah, and, of course, Messi. You know, it's going to be his last World Cup, uh, one of the greats of the modern he sport. He could be coming to Miami. That, well, Miami you know, FC. I tell you what. I, I Play for in, David Beckham. I'm in no doubt. You know, when you go into a bar in New York and there's a Premier League football game on, soccer game on, you know, they're, they're literally falling out onto the street pavement. It's true. Uh, and I, I detect, I think in five, ten years' time, soccer in the U.S. is going to be huge. And I thought the way you played against us, by the way, the other night. I mean, you know, this is, this is an improving But they
4: played. Thing. They didn't just hold on for a counterattack. They seemed to just play, which it, was kind of a relief. Just was, play and see who
13: wins. It was good to watch. Yeah. It was good to watch. And you've got Americans now playing in the Premier League. You've got them across Europe. No, no. Ameri- I mean, I, I promise you, the game in this country is going to go places.
4: So, and you, you guys are places. So, the World Cup aside, there's one thing also is pending, too. And it's a little bit off what I was talking about, but... There's some problems in Brazil. Neymar's going to Bolsonaro, who everyone says, including our government, current government, because he's like Trump, he must not be good. We are actually propping up a 78 year old convicted criminal who worships Castro, who has no business being in office, who seems to have won a corrupt election,
13: and there's nonstop protests in the streets, and we in America aren't covering it. Are you guys covering it? Uh, very little. And you say protest. Millions of people protesting. I mean, this is huge. The military's with Bolsonaro. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, here's the danger. You know, you have got to ask ourselves a big question. Why does democracy work? Well, it works because even if the other guy wins, if the other side wins, you respect the fact Absolutely. they've won, and you say, do you know what, in four years' time, we're going to get our guys in. When you start to doubt the electoral system, well, if you can't change things by voting, well, you may want to pick up a weapon. This is the Absolutely. great danger. And I, I have to tell you, changing tax slightly, but I was here for the midterms. I was in Arizona for the midterms, and I'm back here just three weeks later.
4: Why are you here?
13: I'm here because I've got a few speeches to give and things to do, but I'm also here... Because I, 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 I don't think the Republicans have fully got into their head that rather than talking about what went wrong on November the 3rd, 2020, they need to become the party of electoral reform. They need to say, we're going to clean up American politics. And here's the kicker. State by state? Absolutely. And w- with, with, with the Republican states, do the job properly. In the, demo- in the Democrat states, embarrass them into it. And they've got one big advantage here, 50%. Of Democrat voters have got concerns about the electoral system. Fifty percent of Democrat voters think voter ID and measures such as that make sense. So I'm doing my best to talk to my friends in the Republican Party to say, stop looking backwards, start looking forwards, come up with a positive message to clean up American politics.
4: Right, and we got to see what, what's going on right now uh, with American politics. So when you first off on your area of expertise, people seeing what's happening with the EU right now, and they're looking to expand and we're seeing that it seems to be Britain is struggling economically. What could you tell us about the break?
13: In political terms, the break was 100% right. You know, why would you want someone called Ursula von der Leyen that you can't vote for, you can't remove, making fundamental decisions about the way you live your life, about foreign policy, etc.? So in democratic terms, it was absolutely the right thing to do. In economic terms, well, it makes trade with our next-door neighbours, a little bit more difficult, a little bit more expensive. It's marginal, but it is. In economic terms, it doesn't make sense to do Brexit unless you put supply-side reforms in place, unless you're able to start to break down the overregulated model to help British businesses. And here's the truth of it. The Conservative Party haven't done any of it. But when trusts tried, what happened? When trust tried, it was extraordinary. We had the International Monetary Fund. We had the White House. We had the German chancellorship. We had the European Central Bank. Uh, it was as if the whole world was conspiring against a prime minister who wanted supply-side reform, wanted to cut tax, and wanted, crucially, to cut the size of the state. Um, she should have stuck in there. She should have stuck in there. She should, she should have fought these guys to the but very But the way end. I
4: understand it, she, didn't have the, she lost her party. She and they had. basically told her to get out, yeah, right?
13: Yeah, but I, if, if I was her, I, she should have stuck with her chancellor because she, she got rid of him first to try and save her own skin. And once you've done that, you're on a downward slope with your own organization. And your, your finance
4: minister, didn't she get rid of the finance She got rid of it. She got yeah. rid of him.
13: And that was a big mistake. They should have stuck together. I mean, I have to tell you, all they were trying to do was to reduce the size of a state by half a percent of GDP. That's all they were trying to do. And the globalists don't want any of that. So these are big problems. But it's been six years since the British voted to leave the European Union. We still have no trade deal with the USA. We still have not put in place any supply side reforms. And so a lot of people are saying, well, we voted Brexit, Nigel, but what's it delivering for us? This is not a failure of Brexit. It's a failure of the British Conservative Party, who themselves to have sell their story. They've moved so far to the left now, it's almost unbelievable. I mean, what we're doing on net zero, what we're doing on renewable energy, we're giving our consumers and our factories the most expensive electricity in the world. And we wonder why aluminum smelters leave the country, refiners leave the country. Uh, They're not conservative at all. They are labor light. um, And so there is a real crisis of conservatism within our country.
4: Do we understand that China has all those rare earth materials? Do we understand that China makes all the
13: solar panels? Do we... Um, Absolutely. They make the solar panels. They make many of the wind turbines as well. Uh, and so we find ourselves ever more. The rare dependent. earth for batteries. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we, we are in a bad place with this. The conservatives will lose the next election. And then, then hopefully there's going to be a, be a period of soul searching. Well, they try and find out what the party's for.
4: Now, I knew that when Barack Obama didn't want them to do the Brexit and he had to stick to it, and no one expected him to do a free trade deal. I expected Trump to do it. He's like, well, they're not. It would have been, it would have been in the next four years.
13: Oh, no, Trump would have done it.
4: Right. But, but, the, but why would Biden not do
13: it? Oh, he doesn't like the British. He really, really doesn't like the British. It's something to do with his Irish ancestry. It's all a misplaced interpretation of history. He doesn't like the Brits, And also, don't forget... That the Clintons and the Bidens—they love the European Union because that is the model for what the globalists want. I mean, had Hillary won in '16, she was even talking about America aligning to European Union market rules. So, you know, these guys are globalists. These guys, these guys, see Brussels as really the basis for some of a form world, of government. world government. Absolutely
4: right. Uh, the uh, the disappointment and the horrible display by Russia's invasion of in Ukraine and we see that Vladimir Putin didn't have the army he thought he had or he knew he didn't have it and now it's been exposed what are the ramifications right now in Europe i just speaking to the finance minister right from ukraine they're just trying to uh, they're trying to destroy the infrastructure because they can't beat the army
13: it's looking brutal isn't it because they're going for power energy infrastructure and of course it's a very very long should the
4: world be doing more speaking out just like they did well, against the – when they say the grain will stop, the Europe, the world says no, it won't. Nuclear war weapons will be used. The world said no, it won't. Should they yeah. be saying you should not be terrorizing civilians?
13: I I have a fear that the situation in Ukraine is going to get a lot, lot worse over the course of the next few months.
4: For Ukraine or for Russia?
13: For Ukraine. Well, and for Russia too because this is, after all, an attritional war. You know, both sides are losing. Both sides have been losing. Large numbers of men depleting – their own resources, their own stockpiles. Look, we have – the West have given considerable help without pushing this into a full all-out war. Uh, my fear is it's going to be a stalemate. Uh, it will go on for a very, very long time. I think we're doing quite a lot, to be honest with you. I think we're taking large numbers of refugees from Ukraine. We've provided a lot of aid, a lot of military weapons. You mean
4: UK or West?
13: The UK's has given – I mean, frankly – You guys are doing great. Frankly, frankly, the United Kingdom – because of Brexit, we're now free to make our own decisions. And we've been the world leader on this. I think the balance is about right. It's distressing to see what's going on, but I don't think we should push any further.
4: Right. Uh, the attackums which could go into Russia, but the, the Ukraine says we won't, but we need to get more distance to be able to start wiping out the people that are wiping out our infrastructure. Are you against that?
13: Uh, I, if I was Ukrainian, I would fully understand why that position is being taken. Look, they can't just... If you put yourself in Ukraine's boots, you can't just stand there and take this without fighting back. Uh, but I you know, I have to say, the media are so stupid on this. When the Russians withdrew behind the river, this was all portrayed as massive victories. The Ukrainian army are sweeping the Kira- Russians. In Kyrgyzstan. Yeah, that's right. And all they've done, actually, is they've moved back to a much stronger defensive position. So... Be very careful, folks, what you listen to and what you see on media. But but it is true, Nigel, they couldn't hold
4: it. Uh, And they were being cut off. The supply lines were being cut Uh, off. So they made a strategic move to leave. And that was the
13: only city they took. History shows you that strategic withdrawals can be very, very effective. The Germans withdrew in 1917 to a big strategic line on the Western Front. And within six months, they nearly won the First World War. So do not – I think it's a mistake to underestimate Russia. And underestimate what they may do.
4: And now they've been, they took over the Dnipro uh, River and that bridge, and they're letting people get out. So I just think it's pretty amazing. I think it's to the West's advantage to watch Russia being cut down to size. If you watch what they were doing in Syria when they did, went into Georgia, when they took Crimea, they weren't going to stop. If they took 50% of and put their own people into Ukraine, like uh, um, the people that they had there, they were ousted, and they were never the same since, they're going to go right into the Est- the Estonias, they'll right into the Baltics and start manipulating their election. Put my guy in, and we
13: won't invade. Well, you know, I have to tell you that the the resolve of countries like Poland on this is absolute and total, um, and I don't think Putin's that stupid.
4: Right. When We come back. We we come back, Alexandra. You you have the final say. I want to talk about Trump and how Trump was all ahead of this, especially when it comes to NATO. And there's uh, quotes in his uh, from Gordon, Gordon Sundland's book where he said. Forget about Nordstrom 2. Why do you have Nordstrom 1? Back in a moment.
3: Expanding your knowledge base. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show.
4: So, Nigel Farage wants Republicans to start thinking about, you know, basically election reform, uh, and stop talking about, you know, what went wrong. Start thinking positively about just taking, basically, taking action. But, Nigel, you're a friend of President Trump. You know that he's declared his candidacy already. Do you know the critics have still remain? The investigation still thriving. What do you think? Uh, how is he viewed by you? You're inside here, and you also have a great view from the outside.
13: Look, he's a fighter. I mean, he's a he's a heavyweight champion. He's a he's a He's the biggest gorilla in the pack. I mean, that's who Trump is. He's not afraid of a brawl. No, no, he's the ultimate alpha male in many, many ways. The problem is, and I've said this to his face, and I said it to CPAC conferences, and I've been screamed and shouted at by some Republicans, if the voters that you need to win elections are a couple in their early 40s who've both got jobs, a couple of kids, a dog, a mortgage, They're not really interested in what happened on November the 3rd, 2020. Nobody is. They want to know who is going to, you know, with the cost of living crisis and everything else, they want to know who is on their side. And the genius of Trump from the moment he walked down the escalator in Trump Tower right through November 16 and beyond was he said to the American people, I am on your side. I am your voice. You have been ignored. You have been looked down upon. I am your champion. It was a hell of a message. It was a powerful yeah, message. And it was sincere. Because rich people don't like it. No him. question. Right. Yeah. There's no question it was sincere. No, no, no. I mean, yeah. you know, he, he's Trump is like a blue-collar Billy Lair. I mean, he's an extraordinary Absolutely. guy. But you watch him with ordinary folk. He's brilliant with people. He cares about. He really does care about people. But you fast forward to where we are today. I'm not hearing that message. I'm hearing a message about the establishment, about the whole thing being bent, the whole thing being corrupt. Well, it is. All of those things. And every day, Musk tells us more and more and more about what went on. and We can see how dishonestly this was done. But my urging, and I repeat the point, is the Republican Party have to become the party of radical reform, of cleaning up the system, of reestablishing faith and trust in election integrity in this country. And they're not grasping that nettle. They're not doing it. And that, I think, would be a very positive way to say, look, we're going to sort these elections out. You know, that won't be an issue then henceforth. But at the minute it's almost like the Trump camp are kind of saying, kind of not so much we're on your side, but we need you to be on our side. Do you see what I mean? There's there's been a slight reversal of that uh, position. Now, look, don't underestimate Trump, you know, I know DeSantis, super cool what he's done in Florida, all of it. But you know, Trump is a big heavyweight champion and and, and, and you know, to prejudge at this stage, would be a mistake.
4: So you know this, too, because there's a lot of candidates you like, but you have to say who's going to get elected. Mm. I think the American people are getting very practical on the right. They're saying, hey, he or she might mirror exactly what I want to do, but won't we'll get elected. So who is going to be able to get the moderate's independence uh, and to my side? And maybe if it's not my number one, but I'll take my number two, as long as I don't have to deal with
13: Joe Biden again or Gavin yeah. Newsom. Yeah, quite. I mean, look, the one good thing to say – is actually, within the conservative movement it's in this lot. country, there's some talent. right? You know, there's some people with vision, there's some people with foresight, there's some people who, in the case of DeSantis, have got a great track record in government, given what's happened in Florida. Uh, Whereas, it the other side, uh, you know, the Democrats are virtually talentless. Right. But, but, I will say this to you, I've been involved in elections for over 30 years, been involved in elections in Britain, been involved yeah. in elections all over Europe, uh, Australia, all over the world. Unless... You sort this voting system out. I think it could be impossible in 2024 for Republicans to win. It
4: means a lot. Thanks, Nigel. Thank you.
2: This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com.